Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter 10 and I want to begin reading at verse number 24 and I want to just talk about the church today I love the church amen Amen. I love the church I've been raised around church I've been living long enough to see all aspects of church I've seen the church high I've seen it low I've seen it beautiful and I've seen it ugly amen But I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for a strong church, a healthy church, and a church that can withstand storms. And and, um, I appreciate that. And that's what I want to talk about today. Hebrews 10 and 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There was ever a day that we need to not, A, forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but certainly we need to be exhorting one another, encouraging and lifting up one another. And he said so much the more as you see the day approaching. It could be a very discouraging time and is in the lives of many people. And so that's why we need to exhort one another But I'm thankful for the privilege to be together. I'm thankful. I've said many, many times, this is not a perfect church. There's not a perfect church. Doesn't have perfect leadership. Doesn't have perfect saints. Amen. But I'm thankful for this church. It's a good church. Amen. A solid church. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. I'm thankful for the practice of coming together. (laughs) It's important. I know it almost seems redundant, but a year ago, that importance was underlined when we couldn't come together. And that seemed foreign and certainly was foreign. But I think it's important and not just to come together, but I I believe that our goal and certainly we have a desire to come together with people that are strong. But that may not always be the case. In the New Testament, There were times that we see good churches, but some of them were not what they should have been. John addressed that in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 2 to the church of Ephesus, he said, I found somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And so to the church of Ephesus, it was a good church, but there was drifting. And that drifting had caused them to get in trouble with God. In Revelation 2.14 to the church of Pergamos, the Lord said, I have a few things against thee. Now, you know, you have to consider the source. And so if someone down the road that you barely met, just only waved at a couple of times, says, I got a few things against you, that's one thing. 
But when the Lord says, I got a few things against you, I believe it's time to pull up a chair. He said, I've got a few things against you. And then he goes on to speak of at least two of those things. He said, you hold the doctrine of Balaam and of the Nicolaitans. And so it was a church, but it wasn't a strong church. Revelation 3 and 2, John writes of, and the Lord speaks to the church of Sardis. And he has said, I have not found thy works perfect before God. He goes on to say, you are neither cold nor hot, but I would that you would be cold or hot, but because you're not, I'm gonna spew you out of my mouth. And so it was a church denoted as the church at Sardis, but it was not a healthy church. And then to the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.15, he said, thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. He said, but here's what you don't know. This is what you think you know, but what you don't know is that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now that was a very revealing moment. You think you have it all together, but you are way, way off base. And so this begs the question, what then makes a strong church? Some may associate the strength of a church <coughs> or the stability of a church to be linked to the building or their facilities or maybe the lack thereof in some cases. Maybe the number of programs or how smoothly it operates or functions as an organization. But a church can have all of those things in place and still be dead. I believe a better measure is not found in what we think the church should be, at least in our own natural thinking, but we should look at the church and what it should be as it is described biblically. In the scripture, we read words or descriptive words for the church like body or family or temple or kingdom or bride. And so these things are descriptive of what the Lord thinks the church should be. I believe, of course, that from scripture, these terms or these phrases describe the church at large, but I don't believe that exempts the local church. I believe that the local church are to exemplify all of these aspects. So if we consider the church as a body, Paul said to the Corinthian church, now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. And so if we are part of the body of Christ, that means that we are an organism and not just an organization. There's something alive and in us and functioning in us. It's not just brick and mortar. It's not just something that's spelled out in rules and regulations. You can have an organization and still not have a life. We could say truly that the foot bone is connected to the leg bone, but that doesn't mean that that leg is dead or alive because in either case it would still be true. A live body or a dead body, the foot could still be connected to the, to the leg. And so as the body of Christ is described in the New Testament having many members, but not all have the same function. Everybody has something in particular that they bring into the body of Christ. So I believe that we should learn how, if we haven't, we should learn how to appreciate everyone's individual and in particular function within the body. Everybody can't be singers and everybody can't be speakers and everybody can't be this or that. But that doesn't mean one person is more important than another person. Every member must have an appreciation for the function of what others do inside the church. A few weeks ago, we had a barbecue dinner, a thank you 
barbecue. We called that for our volunteers, people who, uh, of course, many of them volunteer up front. You know what they do. You know who they are, their names. But many of those in that room, some were probably looking across the way and wondering why they were there. I don't mean that in a bad way. But had no idea they were a part of the function of the church in particular. And that is because they're serving in the shadows. They have a hidden hands ministry. They're working when no one else is here. And, and uh, we appreciate that. As a matter of fact, it's so great to have Sister Lexi with us this morning. And she would not, maybe not want me to say this all together, but I'll, I'll, I'll test our friendship here. <laughs> but I hope I win. But for many, many years, many, many years, Sister Lexi has come to the church dining hall in the kitchen and she's cleaned the kitchen and she just worked behind others that were coming and doing various things and she said, this is just something I want to do and something that I can do. And so whether we were home or not or whether there was something going on here or not, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, nothing was going on. But we would drive by or come over. I would come out of my office and I would see her car in the parking lot and I knew what that was that she was cleaning in the kitchen and she wanted no praise. She doesn't want this moment right now. I can promise you that. But we need to have an appreciation for people that serve in the shadows. And they say, well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that or perhaps some of those things are beyond their capacity. But they say, this is what I can do and they serve in that function. And so we're very appreciative and grateful for that. Amen, I appreciate that. I mean that from my heart. And I wanna have an appreciation for the function of other people. And so we as a church family should have an appreciation for those that God has chosen to place among us. Because I don't believe that God just calls ministry to churches. I believe that God calls saints of God to churches. Because what would a church be if it just had a preacher and there wasn't someone to fill the pews? David writes something in Psalms 106 verse five. If this verse is not underlined or highlighted in your Bible, I wanna encourage you to do that, at least a portion of this verse, because it's a verse that challenges me. I have this verse in my prayer list, daily prayer list, and I wanna read this every day, and be reminded of this every day, because in this verse, David says this, Psalms 106 and five, he said that I may see the good of thy chosen. Now think about that. Lord, I want you to help me that I will see the good of thy chosen. Now, it's sometimes easier to see the bad of the chosen than it is to see the good, especially in different seasons or different periods of time. But I wanna pray every day, Lord, if you chose them, then I want you to help me see the good of thy chosen, not focus on the bad. I'm not being ignorant or, or have my head in the sand, but I want you, Lord, to help me to just focus on that top part. Help me to focus on the good of thy chosen, that I may see the good of thy chosen. Lord, not help me to look beyond the flaws, help me look beyond what's wrong, and help me to see the good of thy chosen. I believe that a body must have members that fulfills its function, and so growth uh, obviously occurs when everybody and every part or every member is doing its share. Uh, we all understand this, that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. An organization, a church, a body, whatever it may be, is only as strong as its weakest link. And so how every 
each of us, how every one of us function as a member affects the strength, the overall strength of the entire congregation. And so I truly believe from observation through the years, I may be wrong, I don't think I am, but I believe that through the years people have taken uh, the assumption that I'm not important and it doesn't matter if I'm here for Sunday or it doesn't matter if I'm here for Wednesday, but let me tell you that a church is only as strong as its weakest link. And so every one needs to understand that the entire body is gonna be affected by the strength by the strength of me, amen, or by the weakness of me. And so it matters when I'm here. It matters when I'm not here. It matters when you're here. It matters when we're not here because we all have a function within the body. The Bible talks about the church as a family, the household of God, the family of God. And so we need to think of one another as family. The book of 1 Timothy chapter five and verse number two, there's some very worthy instructions here. The Bible says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren. Rebuke not an elder, but we need to see elders as a father. We need to see young men as a brother. And then he says, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So we don't need to just view somebody as an obstacle or someone that's in the way, but I need to view them. If it's a man, an elder, I need to view him as a father. If it is a young man, I need to view them as a brother. Uh, an older woman, I need to view her as a mother or a lady as a sister. And so we become the family of God, a strong family, a strong family. Let me tell you, I've met some strong families. You better not slap one unless you're in the mood to be in the slapping business. Because if they hate one another and you slap one, your day is not done. Because the line is forming. Strong families. There should be a concern for one another, a care for one another, a genuine love for one another. The Bible talks about charity, which is love, covering a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean we're hiding sin or we're concealing wrong. It doesn't mean that. But that charity that can cover a multitude of sin, the church at Thessalonica, I believe is a tremendous example of that. In chapter four, verses nine and 10, he says, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He said, I don't even need to write this because the Lord has already said that we should love one another. And in verse 10, he said, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are all which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. He said, you don't need that I write to you, the Lord has already said it, but I see that you have love for one another and all of those of Macedonia, but here's my word of encouragement, just love more. Just love more and more and more and more. And I will tell you that when I deserve love, the least, I need it the most. And when you deserve it the least, that's when someone deserves it the most. Lord, 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 my wife and I, my wife and I have been talking about a situation 
this week where we have thought, my goodness, we need somebody to step up and really just pour out their love and shield and protect and build a barrier because the enemy will swoop in on his own. That's why we need a family of God to stand around us. I think about Rizba in the word of God, how that when her sons and the sons of others were hanging in a tree, their bodies were dead. There was nothing she could do to turn around the situation, but she said every day, I'm gonna wave off and I'm gonna beat back the beast of the field and the fowls of the air. Death, the angel of death may come to kill, to kill them, but I'll tell you that the ravens won't eat their flesh and the beast of the field is not gonna eat their flesh. It wasn't really her children. She had some sons that were there, but it was the sons of others. It was the sons of others. Can I tell you that I believe with the same tenacity, she fought away the predators for her own children. She fought away those predators for others. Oh, help me today in the name of the Lord to say that we need to with every fiber of our soul say I am gonna protect my brother and I'm gonna protect my sister. I'm gonna stand by them. I'm not just gonna guard them physically but I'm gonna guard them emotionally and spiritually and mentally in every way that I can. Amen. People need to know that your ear is not a welcome place for their gossip about somebody else. We need to draw that line in the sand and just let them know you're gonna to have to take that somewhere else. Amen. We have to develop this sense of family. And that requires a willingness to get to know one another. That means you gotta get out of your comfort zone. That means you gotta do things you wouldn't normally or ordinarily do. I believe that we should take every advantage of any opportunity we have to spend time together. We have fellowship here at the church. You know what that's for? The church. That's not for you to go home. That's not because you've got more important things to do. Everybody has something else to do. But we need to see the value of the family of God and the value of being together. You know, my, my wife and I, just by virtue of a lot of times what we do, we are invited to different meals and banquets and, and it's not uncommon for sometimes there to be uh, assigned seating and they assign you a seat where you're not just sitting with your friends. And I've always walked away with a great appreciation for moments like that because it gives you the chance to meet somebody that you wouldn't ordinarily know. It's just human nature. We kind of gravitate to those that we feel like we have more in common with. But our church social should be a grand opportunity for somebody that sits over here in church to sit with somebody from over here in the dining hall and get to know them. And I'll promise you this, if you get to know someone and you look in their eyes and you hear the tenor of their voice and you hear a little bit about their story because we all have a story. We hear a little bit about their story. We walk away with a greater appreciation for the family of God if you only knew the story the Bible talks about the church as a temple now temples of old were built to glorify the being to which they were dedicated and so the design of the structure itself was designed with praise or worship perhaps in mind temples were a place where sacrifices and services were rendered unto the Lord Temples were not an insignificant place. Temples meant something. And so the church is God's temple today. 
Amen. I'm not talking about brick and mortar, but the church is God's temple today. And so Paul breaks this down in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, know you not that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you? So he said, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So when you start tearing down somebody else, you need to realize it would be the same thing as taking an ax to this building. We wouldn't think about doing something like that. We wouldn't think about defacing this literal brick and mortar building. And so we need to understand that the people we worship with are the temple of God. And I need to be very careful that I don't deface or devalue or do anything to speak against them because we are both the temple and the priest who offer spiritual sacrifice. And so our purpose, according to 1 Peter 2 and 9, is to proclaim the praises of God. And we offer those praises to God by lifting our voice, by doing good deeds, and by offering ourselves as living sacrifices. And how we praise God with our voices, and I believe how we praise God with our bodies and our service is a measure of how strong the church is. Amen. I've preached in strong churches. I'm just gonna be honest here or transparent. And I've preached in weak churches. There's a difference. It's a lot easier to preach in a strong church. I don't even know how to describe what I'm saying. But I've stood on platforms. I've been in several different settings preaching. And I've been been on rented platforms where they just kind of put them together. And you're standing there and the choir is swaying back and forth. And so are you. And you're not even in the choir. <laughs> One night, my wife and I were in such service, and she has motion sickness very, very easily mo- made sick, sick through motion, and so she had to get off the platform. The whole platform is moving. I'm thinking this thing is going down any minute. We're going to be on funny video somewhere. I've also been on solid platforms like the one I'm standing on today that doesn't move. But there's also a spiritual platform. And I've stood behind pulpits and preached where I felt like I was not stable. There wasn't a strong congregation, a faithful congregation. But I've also stood on platforms like this today. Amen, where there is something under you. I always try to comment to the pastor when I'm preaching in a place like that what I'm talking about right here. Amen, I feel that strength and that validity and the power of a church that is together. The church is referred to as a kingdom and I'm gonna hasten and as the church of God referred to as a kingdom, a kingdom suggests a king to which subjects submit themselves in not only allegiance but obedience. But unfortunately, some churches are more like the kingdom of England where there is a king or a queen, but really and truly that's just symbolic. It's just a figurehead. They represent power, but they're not real power because the parliament is the power. And so there's just a figurehead. And I don't want the Lord to ever just be a figurehead in this church. Amen. You know what? Our songs shouldn't just be songs of praise and worship to him, but it ought to be songs of praise and worship about him because he is the supreme authority in this church. So we don't just say Jesus to have a figurehead, but we want him to know that you are ruler and reign, that you reign supreme of everything we do 
Everything takes preeminence. Your spirit takes preeminence over everything or anything that we could put together. We want to let the Lord be the Lord. The church is also likened to a bride. Paul said in Corinthians 11, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And so Jesus looks at the church as the same way, offered himself for her. I'm thankful for the church. Amen. A bride. Revelation talks about, I believe it's Revelation 19, talks about a bride that has made herself ready and she has adorned herself by righteous acts. Amen. So if we're going to adorn ourselves with righteous acts, that means we've got to separate ourselves from unrighteous acts. Ephesians 5, Paul gives a laundry list of those things. He lists such things as fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, etc. And I want a clear line of distinction in the sand. I'll ask our musicians to come. Our privilege today is to be a part of the church. A church that goes beyond these walls. <clears throat> a church that functions like a body. A church that functions and loves like a family. A church where praises can be found, true praise can be found like in a temple. A church where submission can be found because we realize the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And a church that's pure. Our motives should be pure. Everything that we do should be pure. And I'm just going to ask you an honest question. Have you ever dealt with people that you know there's a motive? An ulterior motive. Isn't that an uncomfortable thing? When you're just trying to figure out the whole time, you can't hardly listen to what's being said because you're trying to figure out the angle from which it's being said. <laughs> and you, you, you feel just guarded in those situations because you're just waiting for the axe to fall because you know it will by the same token when we turn that all the way around and we deal with people that have no agenda their motives are pure their word is sure whatever they say that's what they're going to do <laughs> what a privilege it is to work with people that are pure they just want the best of what's right for everybody involved, not best for me, but the best for everybody involved. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand. And, and so it's what we do and how we function. That's what makes the church strong. So we would ask ourselves this question, what kind of church would this church be if everybody was as spiritual as me, prayerful as me, conscientious as me, concerned as me, it's, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. How we do our part, that influences the overall measure of the church. So if we just halfway sing, that influences our praise and worship. If we just halfway play, that influences our praise and worship. I don't know why I'm talking about all this today, but we've been in services where you could tell everybody on the platform has just had a fight. But you see, the clock says 7.30. So this one hates that one, that one hates that one, and they're glaring, and 
And we're trying to have church over all top of, of that. Oh, man. So see, what we bring and how we bring what we bring affects everything. I, I can't come to the pulpit. My wife and I have had a disagreement before church. I can't bring that with me. If I've had a falling out with somebody in the congregation, I can't get up and try to assault them from behind here. What I bring and how I bring what I bring is going to affect everybody. Amen. And so I got to be very, very careful that my heart is pure and my motives are right because what I do is going to matter in the overall. You ever been in service, you looked across the way and everybody else is praising the worship and somebody else is sitting there, boy, they are just mad at the world. You know what you start doing? I wonder what they're mad about. <laughs> they haven't said a word. They haven't done anything. But how they do what they do affects the overall of what we all do. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want to say, Lord, help me to move myself out of the way. Amen. Let your spirit flow through me. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.